Hey guys, what's up? Yes, we are live. It is January 29th, 2020. It is 9.49 a.m. Pacific time. And yes, the title of the video is Not Deceiving You. We are here to talk about something that I was thinking about discussing uh, yesterday, if not last night, but excuse me. I ended up falling asleep, of course. You know, I had to work. I actually worked early yesterday. Long story short, uh, I came into work and I came into work early. And basically, they asked if I wanted to start early because we had some people call in. And I said, sure, why not? And that's what I have done. Oh, that's what I did. And I worked my four and a half hours. And. You know, went home early, basically. But anyway, anyway, I, do, I was thinking about talking about this yesterday where I had time before my mom came home. And, you know, I did a package opening video and did a discussion video um, on the, the Charlotte Flair and what her decision could be as far as who she's facing for a championship on WrestleMania weekend or at WrestleMania period. And then just went from there. There, you know, did a little live stream late at night before falling asleep, but decided that I wanted to do this topic. And I figured what better way to do it than live right here on YouTube on this uh, Wednesday morning as I adjust my seat there. And this is something that I've been, you know, been wanting to talk about for a while because uh, I understand, that, you know, I, I get that not a lot of people like some of the ships you know, that occur, you know, in in uh, animation, if the comics, because that's mainly what a lot do happen at. They happen either in animation or in comics. Um, but here's the fact of the matter, and we're going to get right into it. Shipping of couples, whether they're official or implied, um, has been going on since the beginning of media. They've been going on since the beginning of animation. They've been going on since the beginning of comic books. And whether we like a certain pairing or we don't, it's just something that happens to occur. And at times, it's it's just like with any kind of medium. It's just like with any kind of entertainment, depending on how you look at it. It's like, you know, I just talked about Charlotte Flair, you know, WWE, wrestling, if you will. Sometimes the people in charge will think this decision is the best decision to go with, even if it's rejected by a lot of people. And that's pretty much true. So the same could be said when it comes to the decision to ship certain characters um, in these medias of animation and comics. Like I said, it all it goes all the way back to almost the dawn of it, if you will, uh, in the early 20th century, around like the 20s and even the late 1910s and into the 20s, mostly in the 30s, is when you know the shipping of couples and, like I said, in both mediums really took off. One of the earliest examples uh, of shipping couples officially, of course, is Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. And they have been going together officially for, God, what, since 1928. Um, 1918 was 90 years. So they've been going on for almost 92 years. They're eight years away from a century, guys. 
eight years away from one century of Mickey and Minnie being together. And they have teased many times, depending on the merchandise they sell, the comics, the stories, you know, uh, that have to be told. They have teased many times that these two are going to get together. They're going to get married or they will be married. Or again, depending on the story that they are married. So, um, you know, Mickey and Minnie is one of those couples that, you know, there's no doubt there are people that may not like it because, you know, especially the way the characters are portrayed today or in the past. But it's something that a majority of everybody would agree is the perfect pairing. In other words, they're the perfect foil for each other. They know how each other thinks and they know how to basically handle certain situations when it comes to the other going in one direction action or not. So anyway, like I said, it's been it's been going on since the beginning. In fact, if you want an example of one of a of an official couple that's been shipped that many fans feel, you know, needs to be changed or needs to be completely overhauled if you want to sustain it or keep it. Let's take a look at uh, Popeye and Olive, olive oil and Popeye, if you will. Ever since, you know, the early days of the Popeye shorts, you know, all the way up to its last theatrical short in 1957. And, you know, know, even after that, you know, in some of the television shorts and all that, people have always said that, have always asked, why does Popeye keep hanging around with Olive? Why does he want to still be with this woman when in a majority of the cartoons, she's always fantasizing about wanting to be with someone different or wanting to be with someone that can make her dreams come true. And in the end, she finds out that the one she's always been wanting, you know, has been by her side the whole time. And that's Popeye. You know, it's like, why does he, you know, keep, you know, being around her? You know, that that's what really, you know, gets a lot of fans irritated. And, you know, it's understandable why people would feel that way. You know, it is understandable because it's like, you know, why, why would you do that? You know, why, why would you keep hanging around this person that obviously has to basically have, um, basically have, what, what's the word? Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Basically has to have, um, you know, the sense knocked into her um, somehow. Oh, but basically, it's like she had, again, it's, it's kind of weird to explain, but, you know, fans are always wondering why would someone like Popeye want to be around someone like Olive when she doesn't realize that she doesn't have to keep going after these people, that the person she's always wanting to be like that's going to make her dreams come true, going to make all her fantasies come true, you know, has been with her the whole time in the form of Popeye and that it takes her basically getting her comeuppance, you know, and her basically, you know, having her eyes opened, you know, to realize, oh, you know, maybe this isn't really how I, how I'm supposed to go. Maybe, you know, I've had what I've been wanting the whole time. I'm in front of me. Well, maybe I maybe what I've been wanting has been in front of me the whole time. I'm just too blind to it. And there's many examples of her going through this. In fact, one of my personal favorite Popeye shorts is 
Parlez Vous, which is one of the last ones. Parlez Vous, like I said, which one is one of the last ones. And, you know, basically there, she's willing to put off a date, basically cancel a date with Popeye, even though she's dressed up, ready to go. Popeye doesn't mind going as himself. She's willing to cancel the cancel that date because she wants to stay at home and think, oh, the International, uh, which was a play on a classic show called The Intercontinental, I think, or The Continental, I don't know. But this international character is going to choose her out of millions of women to come and take out on a date. Basically, come to the door and go like that and say, I am here to take you on a date. And she gets blinded to that fact that even when it's obvious that Bluto knocks on her door in the disguise of the international, that she doesn't see it until later on. And again, this plays into the effect of, you know, it plays into the question fans have is why does she keep hanging? Why does Popeye, you know, keep, you know, being around her? You know, why doesn't he just, you know, you know, be done with her? That is, you know, it's the question. It's like, why doesn't he just be done with her and move on to somebody else that won't be so, you know, gullible? And again, it's it's a classic thing of you may not like the idea or the concept of how these two are together, but for some odd reason, it works. It's something that works and it keeps people coming back because there are fans of the two being together. And as we've seen later on uh, throughout the decades, Whoever gets whoever has gotten behind the Popeye shorts, writing them and all that, with a television or a full-length series or whatever, they've actually kind of made Olive a little bit more competent. In other, I mean, she still has her moments, there's no doubt, but they've made it more competent to where she's not as gullible, you know, and she's, you know, like she's not as gullible as she used to be. Like she's not going to fall for a trick just because, you know, she wants a certain fantasy to happen a certain way. That she's willing to be like, you know, she's willing to acknowledge that, yeah, it is a fantasy, but it would be nice for it to come true. So, again, you know, that's one of the early examples of a, an official couple being shipped together that, you know, fans don't want to see. That fans pretty much feel, you know, needs to either be overhauled completely to work or you know, should be put into a situation where it's like, hey, just have Popeye move on from her and maybe do a story where he acknowledges, yeah, I, me and Olive went on separate ways because, you know, you know, she kept falling for this and all that and I got sick and tired of it. So, you know, I decided to go with someone else or find somebody else that wouldn't be that way. And then you can introduce a new character that kind of fits that bill. Again, I... Again, it's a, an a, it's an early example, probably one of the earliest examples of an official shipping of characters that fans do not like, and not the characters themselves, but they don't like the pairing because pretty much it's like, you know, why would you have this character continue to go out with this character if this character if this one specific character you know, keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. You know, it's it's understandable that there is a bit of frustration, and I'm not denying that. So, you know, again, I, I can I can see where you know I can say where I can see where fans are coming from. 
And I just uh, hit the mic there with my finger. Hold on. Sorry about that. But like I say, I, I can understand where, you know, where people are coming from. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that uh, whatsoever. But then as we f- move forward in time, you know, Pop, like I said, Popeye and Olive are the earliest examples of that. But as we move forward in time, there's always other official couples and pairings. There's a implied official, um, implied pairings, if you will. And again, just like the first two I mentioned, you're go- there's a lot of people that either support the pairing or they don't support it. Um, I go back to... Let's, you know, for example, one pairing that I'm sure a lot of people actually get behind and enjoy, and no matter what medium or decade or whatever they're presented in, it's a good pairing. And to me, that's Yogi and Cindy. Yogi Bear and Cindy Bear. I mean, when Cindy first got introduced... She was introduced as a bear visiting from the circus that used to live in Jellystone. And then she moved back to Jellystone. And it's a long, complicated story. But there was basically something there that was cute and dynamic. But nothing really officially, uh, but nothing really made official until we got the movie, Hey There, It's Yogi Bear, with the redesigns and all that and everything for the characters. And it, it was in that movie that you basically had yogi's inner self kind of convince him and make him realize yeah you realize that you say you miss boo-boo but the real person or the real bear you miss more than anything is cindy and it's basically in that movie that it's acknowledged that you know sin that it's acknowledged that yogi and cindy are going to become uh, an official couple and they do now, did they play off the fact that the, the relationship's kind of on and off later on? Absolutely. You know, you take a look at Yogi's First Christmas as an example, and <laughs> Yogi's like, uh, yeah, um, I'm not <laughs> totally prepared uh, to do this. You know what I'm saying? So, um, like, you know, he's not prepared to give Cindy Bear a kiss under the mistletoe or anything like that, that he wants to, you know, you know, just focus on what he's doing. But he does end up doing that at the end. And again, they don't have to do that. They didn't have to do that. They couldn't continue teasing it, but they did it. Um, uh, another good example uh, of Yogi and, Bo- Yogi and Cindy is, of course, one of the last is the new Yogi Bear show that they did, uh, where there's a several episodes. In fact, one episode where Yogi's competing over this other bear in the short called La Bamba Bear, and he ends up winning, if you know what I mean. Now, kind of proving that he's just as good, if not better, than the uh, La Bamba Bear, whatever his name is. Um, there's a Yogi's treasure hunt where he even acknowledges to Cindy saying, wait, so there's no honey for your honey? You know, when, you know, they go to a honey farm and find out that, you know, the bees that are supposed to f- supply her with honey for her farm are not doing the job. So, 
You know, so there's a lot of acknowledgments and Easter eggs. Even when they went and did Yogi's Yogi's um, Yogi Bear and the Invasion of the Space Yogi and the Invasion of the Space Bears, which was part of the Hannibal Bear Superstar Ten series of movies that aired in syndication, they still continued the relationship. They still continued it. The the fact of the matter is, this is a relationship that no matter how you feel about it, no matter how it's presented. Fans can get be- fans can get behind because they find it believable. They find it believable, and they could, you know, see. And what I mean by finding it believable is they could definitely see each other playing off the other. You know, they could see each other playing off the other, like having playful banter and and stuff like that. They could see that. They even pretty much kind of tease it, if not nodded Easter egg it in the Yo Yogi series. So the thing is, so the thing is, Yogi and Cindy is a good example of a ship that fans could get behind and can accept because it's relatable, it's believable, and it's cute. So fans are cool with that. Fans are all right with that. But then again, you fast forward and you take a look at some other ships that are either officialized or, you know, implied. And, you know, it's up to how the fans want to interpret it. Like, you know, for me, as crazy as it sounds, I grew up with the Disney Afternoon. And one of the first shows to be part of the Disney Afternoon was Adventures of the Gummy Bears, which originally, which originated, I should say, excuse me there, which originated on uh, NBC Saturday mornings, moved over to ABC, and then eventually to syndication in the Disney afternoon. And somebody just um, commented on something. I do apologize. (laughs) But like I said, if you heard anything. uh, But like I said, I remember, you know, with Gummy Bears, like I said, which was one of the first shows to be on the Disney afternoon, you know, essentially being one of the first Disney shows, period, with, you know, its move from its debut on NBC, moving to ABC, then syndication, then Disney Afternoon. I always had this implication. In fact, I even I even uh, requested a video to be made, a, a fan vid, an AMV, if you will, by a person on he- here on YouTube called Disney Barbic with the song Show Me the Light from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the movie, the 1999 animated one by Good Times. And I wanted them to do this video based around Cubby and Sunny. Yeah, Cubby Gummy and Sunny Gummy. And anytime I would do uh, some kind of romantic fan vid involving, you know, the Disney Afternoon shows, you know, I would add in Cubby and Sunny moments from the series. And I've, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, why would you support that? You know, they're kind of like brother and sister. They live in the same Glen and all that. And I completely understand where the person's coming from. I, I can, you know, I really can understand that. But the reason I would support it or the reason I kind of look at an implication of there could have been more than friendship between the two is the way is there are just certain moments. Like they always, it always seems to be the fact that 
no matter how you look at it, whether you look at it from a sibling kind of standpoint or you look at it as a best friend kind of standpoint, they always seem to be paired together. I mean, it's ironic that Cubby is the first of the gummies to become best friends with the human allies, uh, with the with human, with one of the first human allies in Calvin. And then to follow suit, I think the following season or several episodes later, you have Sonny Gummy befriending Princess Kala. So you have that dynamic. And oh, by the way, it's implied that Kala likes Calvin, just like Calvin likes Kala. So it would make sense that if those two, the two human friends, the close friends, BFFs, if you will, of the two youngest gummies like each other, and it's implied they like each other more than friends, then then it would only make sense that perhaps they could be implying that maybe Sonny and Cubby might like each other as well. Because again, they're always hanging out with each other. They're always, you know, hanging out with each other, having fun with each other. You know, it's like if you weren't trying to maybe imply that, you know, in a fan's eye or a viewer's eyes that you could be planning something more with them, then why do you keep doing it? I mean, there is implication. There is a tease or an implication that Sonny could end up with another could have ended up with another character called Buddy Barbic from the uh, bar- gummy from the Barbic gummies that got introduced later on. There's implication that she could eventually wind up with Gusto, uh, who got introduced in the second season. But besides that, it's always her and Cubby. In fact, when she got captured uh, by this bird, by these bird creatures, and put in, in the episode of Gummy in a Gilded Cage, Cubby is instantly wanting to save her. He wants to go and save her. He wants to be with her. You know, wants to be by her side. He basically wants to rescue her. He's determined to do it. And what happens when he finally does it? She does this, you know, kind of motion. And it's like, seriously, why Why would she do that At when it comes to Cubby? I mean, it's like, yeah, she's appreciative he's doing it. But she could have just, he could have just opened the door. And she could have just hugged him. And that's it. But you have that little Easter egg there. You see, to me, it all depends on who writes the episode, writes the script, puts in the description of what certain scenes are going to be like with the characters, you know, to kind of have an implication of whether or not there is something there or there isn't. And again, I know I'm not the only one that kind of looks at perhaps that had the series continued on and maybe showcased the characters as being older than what they were, that maybe there would be something more to that. But we don't know that. It's only, the only thing we could look at is the possible, you know, implication of there could have been more. If you kind of catch my drift. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing as well. Uh, Gummy Bears isn't the only one. Gummy Bears was not the only one. The series that came out before it, The Wuzzles, teased something there too. Now, one of the subplots throughout 
the wuzzles, if you will, was um, let me let me see. I'm trying to make sure I know uh, f- figure out her name. Well, if I say. Hopopotamus. Yeah, Hopopotamus. Uh, it was one of the loose plot points um, in the Wuzzles, you know, throughout the series run, was Hopopotamus would always try to get Bumbleline to notice her. He would always, she would always try to get Bumbleline to notice her. And, you know, and it was implied that you know, despite the fact that Hopopotamus would try to get Bumbleline to notice her, it was always implied and teased that, I mean, you could even see it in the intro a little bit for the series. It was always implied and teased that Bumbleline had a crush or has an attraction to Butterbear. And yeah, it even says here on Wikipedia, Bumbleline, it says, he lives in a beehive, likes sports, is courageous, and has a crush on Butterbear. Now, let's see. It even acknowledges for Hopopotamus that she has a crush on Bumbleline, but Bumbleline has his heart set on Butterbear. So, you know, it, it teases, it implies that something's there. It teases and implies a ship right there uh, in Wuzzles. It implies and teases the fact that Bumbleline and Butterbear are attracted to each other, and it teases the fact, but it also teases the potential of, you know, throwing a, a wrench into the plans, if you will, by having Hopopotamus end up with Bumbleline. But then again, there's a tease a little bit that I think indicates Ellaru might have a thing for Hopopotamus. So, but, you know, so you look at a show like The Wuzzles that came back, debuted in 1985, I should say, that debuted in 1985. And, yeah, you, you pretty much have a series there that, you know, as early as, what what is it now, like 35 years ago, 35 years ago this year, um, you know, teased a potential romance between characters. Whether it was pretty much obvious with two characters right off the bat, like Bumbleline and Butterbear, a potential twist, a potential romance in maybe Hopopotamus and Bumbleline, but also teased maybe something between Hopopotamus and and Ellaru. So very, very, in, very interesting. I mean, you got to look out, you got to look, for those moments throughout the series, uh, throughout a series like that. But it wasn't just the Wuzzles either. You know, it wasn't just the Wuzzles either. You know, as a matter of fact, another series that really implied something of a romance going on is one of my personal favorites, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, almost from the beginning, basically teased something going on with Gadget and maybe either Chip or Dale. Um, 
you know, hold on for a sec. Sorry about that, guys. It just uh, had to change something there. Okay, making sure everything's good. All right. But like I was saying, one of my other favorite shows, you know, from the Disney afternoon was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And it was pretty much implied and teased since the beginning that there was something between Gadget and either Chip and Chip or Dale. Um, the reason I say this is because even though we had to wait until at least the fall of 1989 to kind of get the origin, and sorry, my finger at the mic there, to kind of get the origin of how the Rescue Rangers came to be as a team, you know, even though we had to... Uh, uh, wait to kind of get that origin. Pretty much from the very first episodes that were animated and produced by TMS, uh, an animation studio out of Japan, it was indicated from the first episode, which I think was Cattery's Not Included, that Chip and Dale had something for Gadget and that when the mood was right, or they found a way to kind of get her in that mood, Gadget didn't mind it. She didn't mind it. And we find out later on, like I said, when we get the uh, we get to the pilot uh, later on that in 1989, in the fall of that year, I believe, that when they first meet Gadget, it's love at first sight. Pretty much. It's, it's love at first sight. And Ever since and ever since the series and ever since that meeting, it's basically been like, you know, a question among fans, even to this day, of who would Gadget end up with, you know, and I'll give credit to Disney. I'll give credit to Tad Stones, you know, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due, you know, the way it was set up, you know, you didn't know, you didn't know who Gadget was going to choose. I mean, they introduced characters like in the earlier episodes, like I said, that were done by TMS and studios like that that aired on Disney Channel. They even teased a potential rival, a friendly rival for Gadget and a young squirrel character called Tammy, who just because Chip saved her from falling, you know, you know, out of a tree or falling, you know, to the ground out of a tree, thanks to Fat Cat, the villainous Fat Cat. You know, Tammy ended up falling with Chip, and she did everything she could to impress him, but Chip wasn't having any of it until he basically got called out by his his own team. Like, what do you think? Basically, his own team is like, what do you think you're doing? 
don't you realize that this young squirrel girl, this girl has a thing for you? Open your eyes. You know, kind of deal. And, you know, thankfully, you know, he did open his eyes later on and realize, yeah, yeah, maybe it's okay to have, you know, someone else, you know, have a kind of, I guess you could say a crush, you know, someone have a, that it's okay to have a, someone have a crush on you and everything that, you know, even though, because I think the story, when you overall look at the series, I think the story is kind of telling is overall telling that, yeah, Chip and Dale don't mind other girls being interested in them, but the heart is always going to belong to Gadget, and they are hoping that she's going to choose one over the other, or choose one of them to be her man. But you know what's funny is Chip is not the only one that has an out, that would end up having a love interest uh, outside of Gadget. As a matter of fact, at the end of the series, towards the end. Dale ends up having a love interest uh, in the name of Foxglove Bat. And what's funny is even though Dale's kind of reluctant about it at first, he becomes more receptive. And he starts, instead of just calling her Foxglove, as he becomes more receptive, he calls her Foxy. So you go from Foxglove, from calling her Foxglove, to calling her Foxy. And if that isn't an indication that, hey, you know, he might be interested, he might be willing to be like, you know what, maybe this might work. You know, I don't know what is. I mean, it even gets continued on in this uh, kind of like the uh, soft reboot continuation of the series done by uh, Boom Studios. So, yeah, there's always a, a tease there. There's always an indicate. There was all. So, again, that's another example. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, that is. That's another example of a romance, you know, you know potentially happening. And of romances and shipping uh, couples, shipping couples, if you will, happening. And people actually supporting it. I mean, Foxglove alone became a very popular character, got a cult following. She even had what was known as the Foxglove feature named after her. But on top of that, on top of that, um, you know, it was her relationship with Dale that really, really sparked people's interest in not only her character, but in the show and mostly in support of this relationship, which is why I think when Ian Brill, I think that was his name, you know, wrote the stories for the Boom Studios continuation of the book, of the series, that he put Foxglove and Dale pretty much together and kind of had a moment where they were teasing, potentially officially coming out and saying, yeah, these two are together, but didn't do it. And the reason they didn't do it is because they still wanted to keep the door open. Because you see, the main thing about uh, a shipping couple, a couple of shipping uh, in Rescue Rangers was you know, who was Gadget going to end up with? I mean, they even teased get, giving Gadget a love interest, a potential love interest, in a character called Sparky the Lab Rat. And, you know, that was a surprise. You know, again, and like I said, that was a surprise, um, if you will. Hold on for a sec. 
All right, sorry about that, guys. Uh, had to go XMD and check on stuff there. But like I said, you know, they even gave. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, they even gave, you know, gadget eleven inches and Sparky the Lab Rat, which was a surprise to a lot of people. But besides that, it was just a one-time occurrence. Because it seems, because uh, it, it seems to me that even though, like I said, they could have teased potentially, potentially, you know, having Dale and Fox Love acknowledge that they are in love with each other in the uh, continue in the uh, Boom Studios continuation of the series. You know, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. You know, just eating a banana there. I'm just eating a banana, so I do apologize. But like I said, they didn't do it. And again, the reason they did it is they wanted to keep the window open. Because they know that a lot of fans would like to get the answers. They would... Hold on for a sec. Ah, there we go. Just finishing off the banana here. But like I said, because they, they know fans would like to finally get some kind of answer or at least still be left to speculate or have some kind of implication that there is something there between Gadget and one of the chipmunks, either Chip or Dale. And personally for me, I've always felt that if Disney, people like Tad Stones and others, if they were going to, you know, tease or officially you know give Dale give Gadget either Chip or Dale as a love interest as a boyfriend if you will that I think honestly they were going to go with Dale and here's why I always thought that was going to happen it's because of the fact that Dale and Gadget are similar in some ways but they're both they're both receptive of each other and what the other is capable of both are there to help each other. A good example for Dale is, you know, when he's supporting Gadget to uh, wanting to basically rebuild and reprogram this robotic cat. And call him Tom. Yeah, cat named Tom. You get what I'm saying? But basically, it's an episode called RoboCat where... Gadget actually feels sorry for a mechanical cat that get a robotic cat that gets created and it gets tossed out because it doesn't, you know, you know, succeed in doing its job. She feels sorry for it, even after it tries to, you know, terminate them. And she basically is like, look, you know, I bet if we reprogram this this cat, uh, this cat, it might be good. And Dale is willing to support her because she even points out that she can use something like Dale's video game to do it. And if that's not a good example, how about earlier before that, around, well, I don't know if it was earlier or it was before or after this, we have one of my personal favorite episodes, Double O Chipmunk, where Dale wants to live his life, wants to at least live out his dream of being a super spy, sneaks into Gadget's workshop, basically, you know, um, equips his um, tuxedo, one of his tuxedos, 
equips it and decks it out to be a spy outfit or a spy suit. And this impresses Gadget to the point that even though it looks like Dale feels like he's messed up and everything, and ha- messed up once again is causing others to laugh at him, Gadget's willing to help him out by setting up the spy game and, e- and even dressing up as a femme freaking a femme freaking fatale out to do so. And it's like, excuse me. And it's like, was she willing to do this for Chip? No. Even though, yes, she kissed Chip on the cheek for agreeing with her to go and test out a new strategy of being kinder and gentler. But did she do that for him? No. And speaking of kisses, what did she do when it came to Dale in this femme fatale disguise she had on? What did she do? Oh, yeah, she gave him a kiss, all right, right on the freaking lips. Which I think even Chip kind of, I wouldn't say called her out for, but basically said, look, you didn't have to, you know, you know, kiss him or anything, kiss him or anything like that. Oh, yeah, that's basically, yeah, that's basically what he said. It's like, you know, she comes back to where they're hiding on the tree where the headquarters is at. Takes off the disguise, or at least the wig part of it. After getting complimented by complimented complimented by Monterey about doing a great job. Um, and even after she thanks him for that and says that this little spy game should help Dale feel better, the first thing that comes out of Chip's mouth is, "Well, you didn't have to kiss him." You know, and that kind of tells you there's a bit of jealousy. But here's the thing. If they're willing to have a gadget do something like that, if you will, to, you know, make Dale feel better, then, um, what was it, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. You know, then what's not indicating or teasing the fact that maybe Disney wanted Disney and Tad Stones and them wanted to probably go in that direction. You know, there's, there's no indicate there's, you know, you know, what I'm trying to say is basically what are the hint I should say, should you, do you need in something like that? And some other moments, uh, the other moments in Easter eggs thrown without or thrown without the series that would maybe imply that perhaps that's the direction the show would have gone on, uh, gone in, I should say. Because here's something you guys don't know. Rescue Rangers was supposed to get a movie. They were supposed to get one after DuckTales, the movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. But because it bombed, they didn't get it. So what happened instead? What happened instead? The series got continued, all right, but it got continued... Um, in comic book form, where pretty much, again, I bring up that moment where it looks like uh, Dale and Foxglove are going to acknowledge that they care about each other more than just as friends, but they don't do anything because they leave the door open. And now with the fact that you got the Rescue Rangers coming back in the third season of the DuckTales uh, reboot, it makes you wonder if maybe we'll get an answer there as to who did Gadget end up with? 
but again, going and uh, but again, there's so many Easter eggs and stuff in the original animated series that it's almost implied that that was going to be the direction. Just too many teases. And here's the thing. In closing, there are many fans that supported a lot of the ships. I mean, I was cool with Dale and Foxlove. You know, I was cool with that was going to happen. I was cool with it. But I was also cool with the idea and supportive of the idea of a Dale and Gadget deal. But then again, you had fans that were cool with Chip and Gadget being together. And even Chip and Tammy. So there was many teases here and there of potentially something happening happening romantically, but we never got any full, like, real answer as to, like, who was Gadget, who is Gadget going to choose? Uh, was Dale going to end up a Foxglove, even though it's kind of teased at the end of Good Times, Bad Times that maybe it, that happened? We don't know. So, there were so many implications and teases in that show, you think that would be enough for Disney, right? No. Disney would continue it on with shows like Tailspin and Pretty much the strong indication and tease of, oh, yeah, you know, Balloon, Rebecca. Yeah, they're an item. Oh, they're going to be an item. Don't worry. They're going to be an item. And the reason I say that is because here's what's funny. That relationship between the two is inspired by Rebecca and Sam Malone from Cheers. Yeah, the, that primetime series, Cheers, it was pretty much teased. It was pretty much the Baloo and Rebecca relationship was teased on, was inspired by that. And there's so many indications and implications or impl- implications, implications, indications, Easter eggs, moments in Tailspin that they pretty much should have just came out with a star's torn on and with the episode A Star is Torn and said that Baloo and Rebecca were an item. You know, after that episode. They should have just did a follow-up episode after A Star is Torn and said, yeah, Baloo and Rebecca in this series are now an item. Because it's... Excuse me, my finger hit the mic there. But because it's pretty much indicated that Baloo and Rebecca's relationship was being teased from becoming more than just you know, friends and employer and employer employee to becoming something more. And that episode teased it, teased it very strongly more than anything. And it's like, and it's like, how, how do you not, how do you not make these two an official item after that episode, a star is torn? How do you not do that? And if that's not a good indication that these two pretty much are teased to be something more than, you know, employee, employer, and best friends, how about the fact that when Baloo goes on vacation or basically wants to go on vacation and has to come up with this whole freaking scheme of going to Mars and doing all this, that he doesn't realize Rebecca is on to them. He, she knows what he's doing, and she pretty much is making his life miserable over that next two weeks just to get him to admit, okay, all right, you're on to us. We'll go back. We'll go back to work. Because that's pretty much what it was. That's pretty much what it was in that episode. I think it was called War of the Weirds. 
she pretty much is on to Baloo's scheme to wanted to have a two-week vacation from work. So she's basically, Rebecca, she's basically doing everything she can to make his vacation miserable to the point that even Kit has to acknowledge to Baloo, Baloo, she's on to us. It's game over. Basically, Kit has to tell Baloo, ooh, Baloo, she's on to us. It's game over. Why don't we just go back to hire for hire and just go back to work? Because Kit's pretty much trying to be the voice of reason by saying, Baloo, you tried. Your plan failed. It backfired. Let's just go back to hire for hire and just go back to work. And the one thing about this episode that really, I think, besides the stars torn, knocks it out of the park that these two are probably going to end up together or would end up together no matter what, is both Baloo and Rebecca are stubborn. <laughs> it's like, it's like again, Kit is telling Baloo his idea backfired. She knows what's going on. Why don't you just admit it? And Baloo's like, no, I'm not going to admit it. I'm not going to basically give in and tell her, okay, Rebecca, you win. I know you're onto us. We'll go back to Hive and go and do whatever cargo shipment you need us to do. You know, he's too stubborn. And, but, and Rebecca, you know, she's too stubborn to even come out and just tell Baloo, yeah, Baloo, by the way, I'm onto you. I know you're not on Mars. I know you're somewhere on vacation, so why don't you just get back here kind of deal? So, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's tit for tat, if you know what I mean with those two. But again, Tailspin to me was probably one of the best uh, examples of a strong tease to almost officially acknowledging two characters being more than just friends or employee, employee, and becoming boyfriend, girlfriend. Tailspin was probably the strongest indication of that. And if that's not a, and, and, and if that's not, uh, a reason enough if that's not a, a reason en- and if that's not enough in my opinion you take a look at Darkwing Duck you take a look at Bonkers and these are two shows that pretty much had couples that were official and were very popular and beloved by fans you know Darkwing Duck had you know Darkwing and Morgana you know, Morgana was like a Catwoman, like a Selena Kyle, but she turned over a new leaf. And, you know, not only did she and Darkwing get together, but she's one of the only characters outside of Launchpad and Goslin, and I think even Honker, to, who is Goslin's best friend from next door. Um, to know that Darkwing and Drake Mallet are one and the same. So that's that's pretty so basically to have a villain, to have a reformed villain become a love interest and now fight for good, to get to know that, oh, this Drake Mallet and Darkwing are one and the same, that's pretty telling. And that pretty much makes any relationship in any kind of show that's in this kind of category on this general, if you will, official, makes any kind of pairing official. 
I mean, heck, they tease, even though they were young. They would tease pretty much Honker and Goslin. I mean, come on. Why would you have Goslin and Honker always together and not maybe have a tease here and there, which they did, very tiny, but they did have something between, have, have something teased between the two um, when it, you know, in the series. They pretty much had that. It may have not been very much, but it was teased. And then you get to Bonkers. And Bonkers and Fondier, ever since the Raw Tunage days, any which is kind of in continuity with the Bonkers series, pretty much even outside of their acting jobs, there was something there between them. Heck, the episode, at the end of the episode, Cast of Bonkers, it's pretty much implied, if not officially indicated and set in stone that these two are an item because bonkers pretty much is walking with fawn you know off of the runway of the um what is the uh not the yeah the the runway of the bus of the bus stop or the transport center the bus the bus center the uh what is the i i guess you could say the equivalent of a greyhound center a greyhound bus center He's walking off with her, telling her she's his one and only. And he's holding her tight when he says that. It's pretty much an indication. It's pretty much saying, yeah, these two are an item. They're an item. It's, it's official. These two are an item. And again, the reason this, the and again, the reason, just like Morgana and Darkwing, Morgana and Darkwing, I should say, the reason Bonkers and Fawn are very popular is because it's a natural chemistry. It's a chemistry that got built during their time at, in continuity wise as actors and act as an actor and actress in the Bonkers in the hate in the he's Bonkers shorts to developing into something more outside of that, which I thought was cool. And I I thought it was cool was a nice little east was a nice little like acknowledgement that. You know, even relationships that start off on screen, on screen, start off on screen, can blossom outside of that as well. Which is, in a sense, a good a good uh, nod to reality. Sometimes when it comes to celebrities, I mean, we've seen celebrity cu- couples in real life get together from working together on screen as an item, as a couple, to becoming something more outside of it. Then, of course, you know, there's other shows like, um, you know, besides Bonkers, you know, you had, here was a real surprise. I bring this up a lot. Well, I don't bring it up a lot, but I bring it up on occasions. Gargoyles. Gargoyles, which is actually, actually celebrated 25 years last year and continues to do so this year. Gargoyles. Towards the end of the original run in syndication, before it jumped over to ABC with the Goliath Chronicles, uh, teased a little something, especially in the final episodes, between Broadway and Goliath's daughter, Angela. And that tease, with Broadway being concerned for Angela, even after she was healed, uh, from a, a stone, you know, 
healed, if you will, thanks to a stone sleep. And uh, CPR performed by Elisa Maza. And then Broadway t- telling her at the end of the final episode of the original run uh, that the castle that they got to go back to, the original home, has a much bigger library than what the police station did. Those teases, those implications become reality in the Goliath Chronicles because we see a scene with them cuddling, if not kissing, and you see Brooklyn looking up in a little despair or sadness, like saying, quoting Shakespeare by Shakespeare by saying, parting is such sweet sorrow, or something like that. So yeah, Broadway and Angela became an item after teases and implications that there could be something between them, more so on the Broadway side of things. And if you think that's not a tease that becomes official thanks to the series, the biggest one of all is Goliath and Elisa. Elisa Maza and Goliath. Since the beginning, and mostly throughout the run of the series, and up to the end of the original run, it was teased that there was something there between them. And the final three episodes pretty much clarified that, you know, especially at the end. And it continued on into the Goliath Chronicles. So it, it shows you, it, it shows you guys that, you know, there is something there that even though it's teased and implied that sometimes couples that get shipped together, even through implication or teasing, either become official or they're left up to interpretation later on. And a good, you know, Disney again would continue this on for a while. You know, they would continue this on with, believe it or not, shows like 101 Dalmatians, a series where it's teased even for one episode Something there between Lucky and Two-Tone. Yeah, Lucky and Two-Tone. Which might make it a little weird for some people because according to the live-action movie continuity, they're both on the same litter. Excuse me there. They're both on the same litter. But, you know, it does base itself on reality a little bit by showing that even if they're from the same litter and they're brother-sister, that... That doesn't really mean anything. You could be from the same litter and be siblings, but animals and relationships between them in real life kind of differ a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It kind of differ. And then we get to one of my personal favorites, Sonic the Hitchhawk, and the coupling of Sonic and Sally. You want to talk about a couple that fans are behind, this is one of them. This is one that even to this day, fans support no matter what. There are drawings, there are stories, you name it. Fans support this pairing because of the fact that both are perfect foils for each other. Both both know how to, both know from a continuity standpoint, from the sat, original Saturday morning series into the Archie comics and even beyond, both know how each other thinks. Thus, both are great foils for each other. And fans 
And that's why fans get behind it. Now, does Sonic and Sally's relationship have detractors? Yeah. This shipping has its detractors because fans would rather have Sonic with Amy Rose, Sonic with Blaze, or even with the IDW run, Sonic with Tangle, or maybe even Risper. You know, they'd rather have him with one of those characters instead of Sally because, in the case of, let's say, Amy and Blaze, they're game characters. You know, they're not characters that are specifically made for non-game uh, media of Sonic. You know, now you might say, well, what about Tangle and Whisper? They're not game characters. That is true. But some could say there's a connection with them being inspired by the Sonic um, Sonic Forces game. And, you know, the created character deal. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, the created character deal. There's, you know, teases about that. You know, there's people that back that up. But when it, you know, and, and believe it or not, there are fans that would rather see Sonic with Bunny Rabot just due to the fact that we had like a little subplot in the middle of the series where Bunny ended up breaking up with Antoine, even though the Antoine that we found out she broke up with, it was not the real Antoine. And there was teases of her and Sonic together. But despite the teases of Sonic being with other characters like an Amy Rose or uh, Fiona Fox, that that was a romance that happened. Or even a Mina Mongoose. That was teased. Eased, or even Bunny Rabbit or whoever. It always came back to Sonic and Sally. And that's old school comic book animation writing. Why? Because the same could be said for characters like Superman slash Clark Kent and Lois Lane. You could separate them, put them with other characters, but in the end, it always comes back to them being together, always finding a way to be together again. Same with Peter Parker slash Spider-Man and Mary Jane. You could, no matter what the premise, no matter what the continuity, no matter what the adaption, you can always put Spider-Man and Mary Jane with other characters but in the end, it always leads. But in the end, it always leads to them getting back together. You want a good example of this? You want a terrific example of this? Okay. How about the ending of Spider-Man Two? Yeah, the original Spider-Man Two with Tobey Maguire. Remember that ending? Mary Jane was going to get married to someone else and she ended up calling it off and on the day of the wedding runs out in her wedding dress straight to Peter Parker because she now knows who he is is by you know who he really is she knows who he is you know he knows who she is so that that right there is an example of you know a ship officially where you can break the characters up, you can have them go out with other characters, but they always find a way back together. You know, another good example, um, live action wise, is Zach Morris and Kelly Kapowski. I even mentioned this before. You know, Kelly Kapowski and Zach Morris 
ended up together at the end of the original Saved by the Bell run with the movie Wedding in Las Vegas, where they got married. But before that, throughout the original Saved by the Bell and the spinoff The College Years, what did they do? How were they portrayed? Yeah, they would end up together, but there are times where they got where they were apart and they would end up with other characters. Like, believe it or not, during the early seasons of Saved by the Bell, Kelly had a thing for Screech, even though it was for one episode or so. See what I'm saying? The point, you know, you know, the, the, the point is no matter how how you know many times Zach Morris would end up with another love interest, like in Say by the Bell, Hawaiian style, that movie, where he fell for a character called Andrea and wanted to be with her despite her being bit a little bit older and having a kid. You know, they ended up being together. But it was just for that movie. Or what about when they had those summer jobs and he fell for the owner, his boss's his boss, the owner of the summer beach resort they were working at his daughter Stacy and she ended up falling for him it was for only for those episodes and you know other characters like I say he and Kelly would end up with what happens in the end what happens in the end they end up being together they end up finding a way back together because that's what's meant to be and it's a popular ship among the fans now some might say, well, Kelly's um, personality towards the end or in the middle of the college years spinoff wasn't good because it made her look more like a, a slut or a whore or whatever. Yeah, because, yeah, it's true, but you got to remember, she was fall. You got to remember that one of the, the subplot of that, the subplot of that was one of the college professors that they had was a young, good looking guy that all the girls, all the girls were falling for, and they all wanted his attention. It just happened to be Kelly to be the one that, you know, ended up getting his attention more so than anything. But in the end, even despite that, what happens? Kelly ends up going back to Zach, and again, in the end, they end up married. Now, like I said, how this relates to Sonic and Sally is the fact that whether you put Sonic with Fiona Fox or Mina Mongoose or Amy Rose or whoever, Bunny Rabbit, you know, whoever, and Sally the same way. You put her, you tease her with being with someone like Jeffrey St. John, Monkey Con, a.k.a. Ken Con, or whoever, they always end up back together. And why? Because the people behind the series know that fans love these two together because they see that they're both the perfect foil for each other. Both know how to, you know, both know how the other thinks. Both know how to get on each other's nerves, but in a playful manner or a teasing manner. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you want a good example of this animation-wise of these two being together, you have no you have to you have to look no further no further than again you have to look no further than the climactic ending of the doomsday project episode because when it looks like 
Sonic's going to go off on his own to disable it with the Power Stones, what does Sally do? You know, she's telling him, okay, first we have to connect the stones. And then Sonic's like, well, well, what's all this Wii stuff? And Sally tells him, oh, I'm going to go with you. And then when Sonic says, no chance, no chance, you're going to throw me down. She hushes him with her finger and says, we are in this together, Sonic Hedgehog. She puts the emphasis on we, no matter what happens. And then that's when it dawns on Sonic, oh, we. Kind of like, he, it dawns on him that if something happens to them, if they both die, she'd rather die with him, sacrificing herself to save the planet. She'd rather, in other words, if she, that, if he has to sacrifice himself, she wants to be there with him, sacrificing herself as well. So, again, that's another good indication of a relationship happening. And here's the thing. You know what's funny about the comic book? Despite the fact that Ian Flynn pretty much caused Fiona to turn her back on Sonic and the Freedom Fighters and join with Sonic's evil double Scourge, a.k.a. evil Sonic from another dimension. You know what's funny? Is I think that had Ian Flynn not come on board and they would have brought in somebody else, that what they had been teasing for a while would have happened. That, yeah, they probably would have ended up getting Sonic and Sally back together. But one of the big teases was Tails and Fiona. And something tells me that if Ian Flynn not did what he did, there's a good chance they would have done Tails and Fiona. Yeah. There's a good chance they would have done that. But you know what's even crazier? Is the ships that fans put together just by little moments in the series. Now, there's no doubt that fans pretty much feel and uh, uh, finally, they kind of um, interpretate, I should say, that there was going to be something between Shard between Shard, uh, a robotic version of Sonic, but basically with a rebuild of the original Metal Sonic that turned good and stuff like that, that there was going to be something between him and the sa- and the sentient AI, Nicole. You know, the mobile computer that Sally had, where she was able to get a Lynx form, create herself a Lynx form, if you will, uh, in the comic. And anyway... And, and and what I'm trying to say is there was an interpretation in the fans' eyes that there was a tease of something happening, happening between them. But there was other indications, too, that there's a tease of something between her and Espio. There's a tease between something by her, between her and Rotor. But you know what the biggest interpretation that fans had about putting the Nicole character in a relationship Tails. Yeah. I don't know what issue it was, but if you look over the internet and you want to see Tails with somebody, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest example of 
him ending up with somebody is him and Nicole. Why? I think it's because both are considered the best buddies of both Sonic and Sally. And I guess in the fans' eyes, it makes sense that those two would end up together. But it's kind of weird. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, well, basically that's what people would look at. They'd be like, it's kind of weird because Nicole's an AI, artificial intelligence. How would that work? And pretty much she seems to be older than Tails. Well, I think that's the loophole a lot of fans look at. The fact that Tails is young, but he's mature for his age. And Nicole is an AI that's ageless and can be looked at in any which way, in any kind of manner. It's like, it doesn't matter if she's, you know, looks the same age as, let's say, Sally. She's ageless, which means anybody could end up with her. And speaking of Sally and Nicole, when the soft reboot and retcon occurred, according to numerous rumors, and even Ian Flynn, I think, acknowledged this, uh, there were plans, I think, to tease, if not come forward or come out with the fact that Sally and Nicole were becoming more than just best friends, that they were actually becoming lesbian lesbians, girlfriend, girlfriend, if you know what I mean. Not that, not that that's a bad thing. But there was a lot of teases and indications uh, that that was the that was the plan originally had the comic continued. In fact, the four part miniseries Spark of Life pretty much was a big tease, I think, in kind of indicating that yeah, these two are more than just friends. But again, we that's but again, it's implied and it's interpreted by others that that may have happened or may or may have been the po- po- may have been a possibility that's what i'm trying to say now speaking of couples that brings us to my little pony now i know there's other uh couples out there that are interpreted implied in fact wild hops even brought it up and there's a line at the end of the movie that pretty much says it as well. And that's Nick and Judy, Nick Wilde and Judy Hopps. And even though there's no officializing of it, there's there's a line at the end where they have playful banter. And Nick's like, you know you love me. And Judy's like, do I know that? And then she looks at him and goes like, yes. Yes, I do. But, but it's never implied what kind of love it is. Is it a romantic love? Is it a close friendship teasing kind of love? We don't know. But it's left up to interpretation that these two are more than just best friends and partners. You know, on the Zootopia, on the Zootopia police force. It's Implied, if not interpreted. In fact, some people even said that if you look at. In fact, you know what's funny? Even though these are just, you know, people walking in costumes. One night, there was one. Someone actually recorded a a video of 
the two people walking in the Nick, two people walking individually in the Nick and Judy costumes, I think at Disneyland doing one of the events. And they basically had what they considered Judy and Nick kissing each other. And it's like, okay, okay. Maybe the people behind those costumes or wearing those costumes are like, yeah, you know, we kind of see that too. And maybe that's why they did the little kiss moment. I don't know. I don't know, but you know, that is a strong indication, you know, but that, but Judy and Nick in Zootopia, especially with that line, it doesn't really officially say that the boyfriend and girlfriend, but it kind of like builds towards that. Like if there's a Zootopia sequel uh, to follow, which word has been go, which word has been going around could possibly be a reality down the line. That could be where Nick and Judy officially become more than just partners and best friends. So we'll have to wait and see what the end result of that would be. Um, anyway. Anyway, and my thumb just hit the mic there. I do apologize. But anyway, it's but anyway, getting back to what I was trying to say. Let's take a look at My Little Pony. I did a video and I even converted it to audio to put on my podcast, which I'm my various podcast areas, which I may do here as well with this one. Um, basically, uh, I said in the, I actually, it's the title of the video and the title of the podcast as well. It's basically the same title. I said in the title, a decade of MLP FIM gave us more romantic couples or ships, more romantic ships than the fans and even Lauren Faust expected, which is pretty much true. It is indeed true. Lauren Faust, when she developed this version of My Little Pony, yeah, she probably knew that we're going to have a bit of some romance in there. I mean, she was with the series towards the end of the second season. So she kind of knew that that was a direction we were going to be heading with possibly some characters, maybe secondary characters or whatever. A good example of secondary characters going in that direction, uh, Twilight's brother, Shining Armor, and her foil sitter, and and what was originally her foil sitter, Princess Cadence, becoming husband and wife. So, um, So, yeah, there's no doubt Lauren expected maybe something along the lines of romance to occur, but I don't think she or anybody at the time expected it to have so much as they did. You know, whether it's official or not, I don't think anybody expected as much to come out of it. Most of the romances and ships that came out of the series are pretty much implied, if not interpreted. There are some officially, like towards the end, in the final few seasons, we had... Uh, Mod Pie, Pinky's sister, get together with a character called Mud Briar. We saw Big Macintosh or Big Mac, uh, Applejack's uh, brother, get together with Sugar Bell, who was introduced in season five. So you had all these official romances happening, even concluding with Big Mac and Sugar Bell getting married um, in the. Uh, what was it? The uh, third, the fourth to last episode of the series. So you had all that. 
But throughout the series, you also had interpretations. You had Im implications of romances happening. The biggest one of all, and it continues to this day, and it's probably the most popular and the most supported out of any other in implied or interpreted ship to come out of the Friendship is Magic, Spike and Rarity. Now, originally, Lauren Faust, originally, Lauren Faust um, just wanted Spike. Uh, originally, the plan was, according to what I understand, is Spike was supposed to be uh, our personal point of view of how beautiful Rarity was. So the idea of Spike developing feelings and a crush and whatever you want to call it for Rarity, you can thank Lauren Faust. But I don't think Lauren Faust expected it to go as far as it did. My opinion, and, I'm th and I was thinking about this after hearing what Dr. Wolf had to say in his recent video about a little bit of a revelation that Lauren Faust gave about how Nightmare Moon, the uh, former evil form of Princess Luna, the corrupted form of Luna, uh, you know, became free from her thousand-year prison on the moon or exiled to the moon. It got me thinking that perhaps... Lauren Faust originally was planning for the following season, which she also helped out on, like I said. She was probably planning for the episode Secret of My Exist to be the culmination of the whole Spike and Rarity deal, where Spike would acknowledge his feelings to Rarity. She would basically be receptive of it in this, with, the, you know, with that moment, with the smile and the tears in, their, in her eyes as they're falling through the sky. She would be receptive of it, and that would be it. And fans could pretty much maybe interpretate, if not look at the fact that, okay, these two are now an item. Fine. That's cool. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop. It didn't stop there at all. Hey, no problem, Wild Hops, for bringing up Nick and Judy. But like I said, it didn't stop there at all. For several more seasons, it, ha it continued on. Yeah, it cooled down between, I think, seasons three, the middle of season three. Well, season three was short anyway, but it kind of cooled down a little bit between the end of season three and throughout season four, five, and six. I mean, you had your moments, but it kind of cooled down. You had your moments, your what they call sparity moments, which is short for Spike and Rarity. You had your moments. And it wouldn't be until about, Around season eight, I think, season eight, if you will, a little bit of season seven, just thinking about what I was going to say there, uh, a little bit of like season seven, but it wouldn't be until around like season eight and into nine, and as well as the the movie that took place between seven and eight, and Best Gift Ever, which took, took place between eight and nine, or now could take place at any time, you know, continuity-wise that they would really start bringing back and focusing on Spike and Rarity. And the reason they were doing that is because we had a shift in, um, there was a shift or there was a change um, uh, in the people that, that were in charge. There was a, there was a, um, a power switch, if you will. 
See, Lauren, see, the way it went was Lauren Fallis was the first executive producer, then Megan McCarthy, and then Nicole Dubuque. Now, when Megan McCarthy was on board, she pretty much indicated or mentioned at a BabsCon, I think in 2014-15, that Spike and Rarity would not be nothing more than friends. Even though, even during her run, you know, throughout, you know, the rest of the show up until about season eight, and along with the movie, you had your moments still. So, you know, there was a, a lot of people that would take what she say says out of context and be, would take it, well, not out of context, but with a grain of salt. It's like, yeah, you say that, Megan, but why do you keep teasing it and having these moments if you feel they're not going to be more than friends? It, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, but anyway, but anyway, uh, it wouldn't be until about, like I said, the movie where you had certain moments in there. It wouldn't be until season eight. It wouldn't be until the Christmas special, Heartswarming, you know, special. Then now you could watch it any time and consider it do, taking place during any part of the continuity. Well, but, you know, the later continuity. Um you know, you had your moment there, your big moment there. And you had moments in season nine, the final season. And it's like there's so many indications and implications that there's something going on between Spike and Rarity that's more than friendship that no matter how you look at it, no matter how much you want to deny it, Fans are going to continue to support it even to this day. I mean, as a matter of fact, the one thing that really got a lot of Sparity supporters, Spike and Rarity supporters, happy was the annual, was the yearly slash annual uh, holiday issue that IDW puts out for its MLP comic. Its main story was Spike and Rarity. So that was pretty cool. And a lot of fans liked it. Now, again, just like with some of the other ships I mentioned earlier, are there detractors? Absolutely. Some still argue the fact that Spike's still young, or Spike's a young baby dragon, or he's a kid, or da 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 da. But there are others that argue against that or debate that, and they say that's not the case. In fact, one person uh, did a video about a year ago where they. Well, they, well, them and their friends came up with a solution to the to answer that question about would Spike and Rarity be together, and in the end, they used up. And what they did throughout the video is they looked at the ages of all the characters, you know, when certain events took place, and overall, that's how they came up with the idea that yes, there is a possibility continuity-wise, that Spike and Rarity could end up together. Now, a reminder is when they did this video, it was before Season 9 began. But yeah, even pre-Season 9, fans looked at the fact that Spike and Rarity could potentially happen because of the fact that the age range would allow it to happen. Now, you know, with that said, you know, with that said, when you look at the last episode, as a lot of us have talked about, is it implied that maybe there's some that maybe Spike and Rarity got together? 
it's possible. It's up to interpretation. But there is a line, basically, that some fans point out where Rarity says that she would have been there sooner, but you have no idea how busy Yakistan is. So basically, some fans are taking that line and saying, yeah, she's basically saying that, I mean, there are some fans and supporters, you know, Sparity, Spike and Rarity, that basically say that, yeah, what we're hearing here is Rarity would have been there earlier with Spike had it not been so busy in Yakakistan that she would have had to, that caused her to come a little later than she was planning. In other words, they're indicating that she probably would have showed up with Spike if it wasn't if we got, if it wasn't getting busy in Yakakistan, where apparently she has a boutique at, or one could assume that. Um, anyway, you know, fans look at that as a possibility, and they also look at the moment. Matter of fact, I have it back over here. This scene right here with. Uh, them just arriving in Ponyville during the beginning of the Magic of Friendship Grows song. And she's looking straight up at Spike. Now, you could say Applejack's doing the same thing, but it looks like more along the lines of looking up at Twilight and any, and everything. But you mostly have Rarity looking back up at Spike, like, okay, are you trying to tell us something? And then at the end of the song, you have Rarity next to Spike and Twilight. You know, and some people pointed out that Rarity had to come from behind Spike a little bit towards the end of the song on to be seen. So, you know, you know, people will look at moments like that, little Easter eggs, if you will, and they will interpretate that, yeah, maybe there is something there between the two characters or that maybe something did happen. Happened that would kind of put them together. Another good example is some people will look at the episode Dragon Dropped as being pretty much the episode that confirms Spike and Rarity are now an item. You know, maybe not as serious as some people would think they are, but it's pretty much indicated that, yeah, you know, there's something there more than friendship. Because look at the way Rarity reacts. Even Thespio, Thespio, a.k.a. Del Walsonator, kind of, kind of exampled it kind of exampled it to to along the lines of Rarity feeling like feeling like she was being cheated on by Spike with the character Gabby the Griffin, but that wasn't the case. Because as I've mentioned before, they could have easily ended the episode with Gabby and Spike flying off and that's it. But they didn't. They had Spike come to the caves where Rarity and Pinky were, you know, and basically you know, saying that despite him and Gabby having a good time on her route, because that's what he was doing, he was helping her with her postage, her mail route, that he'll always have, he'll always want his rarity time. And he ha- and he holds out his hand like this, and she puts her hoof in his hand. And it's like, come on. It's like, come on, who, it's like, to a lot of fans, who are you fooling? I mean, even Pinky's little line, like, Oh, so that's how it works. I mean, come on. The way you had her say it, it's like, yeah, you're pretty much saying that there's something more than friendship between Spike and Rarity. I mean, Rarity kind of had that little grin on her face where Spike's telling her about, oh, yeah, me and Gabby had a good time with her route. Oh, and that little grin is more like a kind of a like, kind of like, yeah, I'm glad you did because she's, you know, she's still, she still has a bit of jealousy. But when he says, but I'll always have, to, but I always want my rarity time, it's like, it's his way of saying, I'll always want to be, that despite having a good time with Gabby, he'll always want to be with Rarity. He'll choose Rarity most of the time. 
or choose choose to spend time with rarity more so than anything. Um, but yeah, it's but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a but yeah, th- this ship has been you know teased, you know implied, you know interpreted throughout all of the series, even the comics. Uh, before they've gone, before, even the comics by IDW, well before they enter the season ten phase that they're going to be going into this spring, uh, even the comics pretty much have implied, I'd um, interpreted, if not full out said, yeah, these two are more than just friends. These two are more than just friends. I mean, it's Spike that says the final, finally says the last thing that's needed to break the spell on rarity that's, you know, cast upon her by the nightmare magic that turned her into nightmare rarity. You have a scene, the final panel in that story arc where she's holding Spike close to her and you have this little heart emoji next there. It's like, come on, like, who, who are you kidding? And I know people will say that with the comic, they have more free will, more free reign, and that's true. So, you know, it's like, so what I'm trying to say is like, who are you trying to, you know, fool or who are you trying to, you know, not think, not make realize or think that this is, there's something more between, there's not something more between Spike and Rarity than what there is, because there is. And a lot of us, a lot of us that have watched this kind of stuff unfold before in the past can see it. We can see that you're pretty much indicating that there is something more than just friendship between the two characters. Now, you know. Now, what's funny is when it comes to Spike and him being shipped with, you know, other characters. Of course, there's Gabby the Griffin, there's Ember the Dragon, who he befriends in Gauntlet of Gauntlet of Fire, and gives the Dragon Lord, leadership of Dragon Lord over to her, even though he's rightfully won it. And then, of course, is Applejack. Yeah, Applejack. And the reason for that is because of Spike at your service and the various Spike and Applejack moments throughout the series that a lot of Apple Spike fans will point at, make uh, montages, collages of, you know, video-wise to showcase. Uh, And even to the point that even though she did this story – even though she wrote this story basically um, well into or well after season four, even though she wrote the story well after, around, and even before season four, um, Disney Fanatic even put Spike and Spike and Applejack together. And she did it by having Applejack realize that she's fallen in love with Spike. And it all goes back and basically Disney fanatic traces it in her continuity, her alternate universe, if you will, that's very identical to the prime Friendship is Magic universe. She traces it all the way back to Spike at your service. So, yeah. She even did a prequel recently focusing on Spike and Applejack. So, 
um, a prequel to the Daughter of Discord um, sequel, which was a which is a sequel basically to Bride of Discord. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, yeah, Applejack and Spike is probably the most popular. Is the second most popular ship to come out of the show, even though it's just based on moments they have scenes and moments they have with each other that some would say don't really lead anywhere and mostly based on what Disney Fanatic did in Bride of Discord, Daughter of Discord, and even the prequel to Daughter of Discord. So, yeah. It is the second most popular. And you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Is I think Michael Vogel, who goes by MK Tune on Twitter, Michael Vogel and the creative staff that worked on the heartwarming special, Best Gift Ever, they know this. Because when they did the Secret Santa deal, and Spike finally was able to get Rarity, because he did a fast talk trade uh, with Fluttershy, where Fluttershy originally had Rarity, but then Spike got Rarity because he originally had Rainbow Dash. Now Fluttershy is, and then now Fluttershy has Rainbow Dash. You kind of get kind of get what I'm saying, right? Okay, let me explain. They did a Secret Santa kind of deal, a heartwarming helper, as they call it. And Spike originally drew Rainbow Dash. Fluttershy got Rarity. So Spike's looking for who's got Rarity, and he finds Fluttershy has her, and he does a fast talk kind of trade, if you will, with her, where now she has the Rainbow Dash, and he now has Rarity. And what's funny about that is when he finally gets Rarity, and then you find out afterwards, because all of a sudden here comes Applejack a little after him, and then she tells Fluttershy that she needs help trying to find a you know, present for Spike, because she drew Spike. You kind of get the idea of, oh, oh, we see what you did there. We see what you did there, right? Because it, it's, it's pretty much an Easter egg and a nod. It's like, okay, so Spike finally gets Rarity, takes off off back to the castle, or back to Twilight's castle. Applejack shows up and tells Fluttershy she needs help finding a present for Spike. And suddenly it just dawns on you what they just did there. You know, they just gave you the Easter egg of Spike's got rarity, so that's spare, so that's something for you Sparity fans. But oh wait, we have another surprise. Applejack's got Spike. Guess what? That's for you, Apple Spike fans. But then on top of that, you find out that rarity. I think a. But then on top of that, you find out along those lines, rarity has Applejack. Rarity drew Applejack. Uh, Applejack's name, all cutie mark. So it's kind of like, oh, we see what you did here. It's like, okay, Spike's got rarity now. That's going to make Sparity fans happy. Applejack reveals the Fluttershy she drew Spike. That's going to make Apple Spike fans happy. Rarity reveals she got Applejack. That's going to make Rarajack fans happy. So it's like all in a circle. It's like these three most, the three most popular ships. To kind of to come out of the friendship is magic franchise overall, Equestria Girls included, you know, all basically ended up getting gifts for each other. Spike got one for Rarity, the song, the song he sang to her at the end, 
you know, Rarity get, originally got Apple. Rarity got Applejack. Applejack got Spike. It's like you kind of see what you know they did there, and I think it was intentional. They they may may not admit it, but it it was intentional. You you kind of see that. You kind of see that. But yeah, it's as convoluted as that sounds. Michael Vogel knew what he was doing when he put that together. When he wrote that into the script, like, okay, Spike's going to get rarity. Finally, Spike's going to finally get rarity. He's going to Spike's going to achieve getting rarity. Applejack's going to reveal she has Spike. Rarity's going to reveal she's got Applejack. All the supporters for all three ships are going to be happy because it all comes together. It's all coming together. So interesting. It's interesting, but it shows you how popular the ships are, the implied and interpreted ships in MLP are, mostly when it comes to Spike and Rarity and Applejack and Spike. But again, even though, like I said, you know, you'll have your detractors where they'll say, you know, that can't happen because of this and that, there's going to be those that will come up with valid reasons as to why potentially it can. You know, like I said, one fan and the friends came up with the came up with the validation of look at the ages. If you want a clear a sort of clear clarification of yes, it can happen from a continuity standpoint. Look at the ages. Look at the certain events when these look at their ages. You know, add them to certain add them to when certain events take place. Certain holidays happen, and there you go. So. So yeah, you know. So yeah, the shipping when it comes to friendship is magic is probably as strong than I think is anything because you don't just have, you know, the ones I just mentioned, but you have a surprise. You have one with Pinkie Pie and Cheese Sandwich, which a lot of fans kind of had a feeling would happen, but didn't get that clarification till the end. You have an LGBTQ relationship between two main characters implied with Applejack and Rainbow. Fluttershy and Discord, Fluttercord is another one. This is so many. And even though some of them were not officially acknowledged, it pretty much, as Jim Miller says, supervising director Jim Miller has said, it's open to interpretation. You can interpretate it and impl- impute- you can interpretate it any which way you want. And there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to interpretate a lot of what they saw especially in the final season, shipping-wise, just saying, yeah, this is official, That's a, this, this pairing's official, this pairing's official, that pairing's official. I mean, heck, what was it, the second season? We, I mean, heck, what was it? The, uh, the second season of the Student Six, or the Young Six, if you will. And in the second season, what do you do? What do you do in the episode She's All Yak? You pretty much tease... Yona, the yak, getting together with Sambar, a pony. And you have that little moment with the stars shooting through in the background when they embrace. And you have them both blushing various times of interacting with each other in soft, tender moments. It's like, come on, seriously. And then the ending pretty much indicates they got together. So, yeah, you know, so yeah, you know, getting back to what I was saying. A lot of people may or may not like like these ships in the show being official or implied or interpreted. 
But again, if you go back to a wrestling, but like I mentioned at the beginning, if you go look at it from a wrestling promoter's standpoint and they feel, hey, this is what I want to do. This is the direction to go in. And some are like, you know, you may not want to do that because it's not going to get received well. They're still going to go through with it because they think it's the best idea. And that's how a lot of people, you know, with these animated shows and comics and all that, you know, they do it. That's what they do. They still continue that they'll make decisions that may not be popular in the eyes of fans and they'll fall through on it. And they'll, they fall through on it, hoping fans will get behind it. So, yeah, there's no doubt that, you know, whether you like the um, idea of certain characters getting together or you don't, it's going to happen. Whether you like the idea of certain characters officially becoming an item or being interpreted or implied to become so in the future, it's going to happen. Whether you like it or you don't. And... You know, you have a right to not like it. You have a right to want to go in one direction or the other. But still, it's... But still, couples animated... But couples in animation and comics, whether you like them being together or you don't, it's it's always going to happen. Moments like that are going to happen. And you'll just have to see how it plays out. So... Or you have to see if they'll actually go through with it. Through with it, officially, if it's implied or interpreted. So... Um, but yeah, it's been going on, like I said, at this, so in closing, like I said, it's been going on since the beginning of animation and comics, since the dawn of those, and it's going to continue going on. I guarantee you, we get a new Sonic animated series, it's going to continue there. We get a new, My, we get the new My Little Pony series, it's going to continue there. You know, we get the appearance of Disney afternoon characters in the third season of DuckTales, and we get some kind of interpretation or implication of something happening, then yeah, it's going to continue in there as well. Animated movies, same thing. You know, you may not like, like I said, certain pairings together, but if it happens, it happens. You know, they're just going with what they feel is probably the best solution, the best idea. But, Anyway, though, guys, I think I've been on here long enough talking about this. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it, and um, let me know what you all think. Let me know what you all think about some of the pairings I just brought up. You know, I didn't even bring up some of the others from the past. Like, you know, I'll just say this real quickly. You know, the Cadillac Cats from Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. Some people may not be thrilled with Cleo the cat, a statuesque white cat with yellow hair, being in love with a short alley cat like Riff Raff. But, you know, here's the thing. Just like Sonic and Sally, they're the perfect foils for each other. They know how each other thinks. They know how each other is going to act. And they're always there to support each other when needed. So, and I think, I think the difference between them is what attracts each other, attracts them to each other. So anyway, Though, like I said, I think I've been on here long enough. Let me know what you guys think about what I had to say on here. What couples throughout some of the things I've mentioned do you believe are justified as being official, interpreted or implied? implied? And what couples do you think 
shouldn't have been made official or implied or interpreted. Let me know what you guys think down below. Comment if you like. I'd love to hear from each and every one of you. And thank you all for watching. I really appreciate it. And I am out. Peace. God bless. And uh, and also, um, anybody watching afterwards, let me know in the comment section. You know, post a uh, live stream. Again, the couples that you feel are, I mean, how do you feel basically about the couples that are official, that are uh, throughout, that I mentioned, that are uh, made official or interpreted or implied into happening? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? And what are your thoughts on uh, those that, or how do you, basically what I'm trying to get at, guys, is how do you feel about these couples that I mentioned? And, them either being made official, interpreted, or implied to be, and what couples do you think shouldn't have been made official or interpreted or implied? So <laughs> that's all I'm going to really – let me know down below in the comment section, guys, and that's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to get out of here for a while, for a bit, guys, but let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. Also, check out my podcast channels at anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, Pocket Cast, as and many others. Check out B.W. Rose's Discussions. That's the name of the podcast. And you might see this in audio podcast form popping up sooner than later. So you guys can listen to it as well there whenever you want to, uh, without having to look at me, if you will, <laughs> uh, from a camera standpoint. So let me know what you guys think, though, down below. Comment if you like. And I'm out.